Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Five Star Movie Podcast. I don't know why I'm saying it like a robot. Uh, a podcast from two guys who age backwards and who sometimes watch movies. I am here with my esteemed colleague. Oh, Sam Wolfcool is here. <laughs> I, you didn't yeah. say your name. I was waiting for you to say your name. I am I am Benjamin Button. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing it backwards. Ben <laughs> no, Button. <I'm> Hurley. <laughs> Good to meet you, Ben. Yes, I am an old man in a twenty. I'm a twenty-three year old, seventy-three year old. That doesn't My make any sense. Really good. Much like the film, that doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no, it's just full of whimsy. <laughs> we will get to Benjamin Button later as we talk about the two thousand and nine Oscars ceremony. Um, definitely an interesting Oscars. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. That's a nice word for this Oscars. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to be fair to it. Uh, it's a weak year in Best Pictures. <laughs> you said what well, I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the gumption to say. <laughs> yes, this was a tough year to get through. This is this is the most the Oscars felt like homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will get to we will get to this batch of homework later. Uh, first of all, what have you been watching lately, Wolf? Well, I'm not going to talk about it on here, but I finished The Godfathers and I watched five Fast and Furious movies this past week. Woo! Um, uh, I don't, I'm not going to give you my thoughts on those, but actually, I, I, they're they're good. They're solid. They actually really are. They're actually really solid movies. Um, but the one I want to talk about is I watched The Last Boy Scout. Have you seen this movie? I have. It's been a it's been a hot second. I basically only remember the opening where the guy is running with the football and shooting people. Oh my god. This movie was there's something like really like beautiful about people who like made movies that even showed like an ounce of football like prior to like everyone knowing that concussions were bad. And just the way they like portrayed football must have just looked so horrific. Like there's like a lot of like there's like PCP usage in the locker room. Like the locker room was like dark like tony scott like forgot to turn the lights on in that scene. <laughs> um, that, that might be the first tony scott movie i ever saw that's a tony scott would probably want you to start with that movie <laughs> that's probably, like it feels especially unhinged for tony it uh apparently that movie so i, I actually I'll, to, I'll, I'll get to my thoughts later but i actually really like this movie i thought it was a really good like buddy cop-esque between wilson uh willis and wayne's um, anything with Bruce McGill in the movies probably makes it good. I actually said that before the movie, and then I like was looking at all the movies I've seen with him, and, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna live with that statement. <laughs> yeah, I think this is right. I think I got it. <laughs> it correlates. It directly correlates. Uh, but it was just like I like him learning. I really like Tony Scott, and I just wanted to watch more of his movies. And this was on Hulu, and it's a really fun watch. A really Tony Scott movie, just really like witty, funny one-liners a lot of action a lot of quick cuts and just kind of dark and there's just a certain like look and you're just like this is a tony scott movie definitely like a good late era like buddy cop movie and even though they're not like technically cops it's just like entertaining to watch yeah it's fun though it's fun to put see like tony scott put his spin on that those things i got Um, one bit of trivia if you want it oh i'm absolutely down to hear it so apparently it was like a horrific production. Willis, oh, no. Wayne, Scott, and uh, Joel Silver, the producer, like all hated each other. And apparently 
Tony Scott hated Joel Silver so much that in True Romance, he based the Saul Rubinek movie producer character. Oh my god, Joel Silver! <laughs> hey, the the Saul Rubinek character in True Romance is he's fucking something else. Have you have you seen that movie? Oh my gosh, I watched True Romance. I think like maybe like a week and a half ago. It has that famous scene of like, oh. Uh, so what's the name of the movie? It's going to be called Body Bags 2. I have no taste <laughs> in the tip of my penis. His <laughs> line of just like, how could you betray me? You're like a son. You were like a son and you stabbed me in the heart. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> He's going for it every single moment of that. <laughs> By far the craziest moment of that movie to me is uh, one of the like, like security guys for Rubinek is played by the dad from Good Luck Charlie. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> big change of pace for him. And I had to like pause it. And I, my my girlfriend was like sitting there getting ready, and I was like, I was like, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, that's the dad from Good Luck Charlie. And he had like one line where he was just like, I hate cops. <laughs> you also get like just a really. A really like menacing and scary uh, James Gandolfini in that in that oh, movie too. He's like greased up. He's sweaty. That's a good movie. Uh, um, amazing that like that could have been a Tarantino directed film. Which I'm thinking I'm glad it wasn't yeah. a Tarantino directed film. If I'm being completely honest, I sort of liked the like seeing. I liked seeing what it was like not having Tarantino direct one of his own his own movies because like uh i think he did the story for from dusk till dawn mm-hmm. which doesn't like it kind of feels like robert rodriguez is a little bit of like quentin tarantino light so like that didn't feel too different but like tony scott definitely puts a unique spin on the movie that i like seeing he uh he definitely knows how to make a movie his and i think he's got 16 feature films that like exist out there and i'm going to try to see most of them is uh i remember have you seen um i think it's man on fire have you seen that one no that uh i have not sadly not seen that one i own deja vu though so i gotta watch that eventually i remember man on fire being a good one it's been a while since i've seen that one too but uh that should definitely be one you you seek out as well (laughs) I, i actually watched uh crimson tide this weekend too in the morning that's a really freaking good movie if you have not seen crimson tide i highly recommend it (laughs) i think that's another one that uh tarantino did like uh he did like dialogue rewrites on or something like that apparently according to rewatchables apparently like a lot of people they like got like a lot of help doing that script just like doing little like apparently like they like a lot of different writers wrote different scenes it's pretty it's pretty funny to hear that because then you then you'll just see the credit and it's like one guy and you're like mm-hmm. ah, I know that that wasn't him. A surprisingly <laughs> cohesive movie for the probably 10 uh uncredited writers on that movie. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> it came together even somewhat coherently. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> what have um, you been watching? This week this week was uh you know I've just been watching mostly the Oscars movies. Um, so I've been trying to like seek out just some stuff I've seen before. So I, I rewatched A Hard Day's Night, the, uh, mm-hmm. the Beatles movie, uh, the other day. And that's just a ton of fun. Like um, they basically they never linger on one thing too long. Like they're just kind of 
playing music and then they'll do like a comedy skit and then they'll play some more music and like it never tries to be more than it is um so it's just like a really entertaining watch it's a good like quarantine watch if you just need to mellow out and just like have a good time you know cool um and you do you just listen to some beatles music it's like uh it's like listening to the album and then uh today i also watched braveheart with my roommates and um I don't have too much to say about the movie of Braveheart. It's very well done. Clearly influenced a lot of like the swords and sandals epics that came after it. Um, but so I, I took it, you know, we both went to um, private uh, universities and uh, at mine, they made me take a theology class and the teacher um, had us do a project where we had to write a paper um, and he asked me to do a paper on, on the religious, like uh, the like religious nature of the Scotsman in Braveheart. Oh, wow. And so I wrote this paper, and I like I'm just writing it like any other paper. And I ended up getting nominated for like a student conference, and so I had to sh- like make a poster for it and like stand <laughs> and show it to people. Wow! And so it was this really funny, and, and like I could tell nobody else took it seriously. So it's like this really funny moment where I'm like standing there with my poster about Braveheart. And then like to my left is prison reform. And to my right is like the gases that come out of aerosol cans. (laughs) Apparently people were like walking around like that, that Braveheart kid's a fucking joke. That's awesome. (laughs) It was so funny. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I've, uh, I've never seen Braveheart, but, uh, but I want to, if that means anything to you. It's, um, you know, it's, I'm not like the biggest Mel Gibson fan, but it's a really well done movie. And is anybody a Mel Gibson fan anymore? I think the Academy is. I think the Academy is. (laughs) I uh, I think uh, he's a little bit of an, you know, you know, he's got, he's got some thoughts on things that are a little awry. Yeah. He's a little, uh, his ideology is a little out of the mainstream at this moment uh, in time. I can't get over every time I, I'm just like on Letterboxd or I'm looking at like DVD somewhere. And I, every time I see what women want, I'm like, I don't think it's you, Mel. Yeah, definitely not. Mel Gibson's crazy ass. <laughs> um, do you want to hear What's my your... quick question? Yes, absolutely. So the only real studio that seems to be doing a good job, you know, getting their movies out to the public as Disney recently, as of today, pushed back a bunch of movies. Um, actually they moved around movies I don't want to say that because they moved up a movie which means they must not think it's going to do well anyway what are some upcoming Netflix movies that you are excited for because Netflix is you know they're thriving they're doing well they're getting their movies out to the public and if Letterboxd is any indication of people watching movies they are being watched in droves (laughs) so I think like I think like everybody I'm really looking forward to Mank and the uh, the trial of the Chicago Seven, mm-hmm. those are are probably the two big ones. Like a lot of the a lot of the Netflix movies that just sort of come out um, in between, like the really big ones that they tend to earmark. I feel like are not not great, but those are definitely the two that I'm like super excited for. Like I'm definitely going to tune in for. <laughs> I'm uh I agree with you. I agree with you on both of those for sure. I actually. I don't know what I – oh, I was looking up Jeremy Strong today on IMDb because I love that guy. Shout out him. Hell, Big yeah. Emmy. Big Emmy Kung- one for my guy. Kendall. 
Our boy Kendall Roy, our number one boy. That's a good. That's a good Emmy win for for all of us. Um, I'm so happy about that. He's going to be in Trial of Chicago Seven. I don't know who he's going to play, but I saw that that movie is only going to be two hours and nine minutes. So shout out Aaron Sorkin hiring an editor this time. Oh yeah, that um, movie had better just like hum along. Like it, it better just be like nonstop. I hope. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I'm also excited for. I actually, I'm, I'm, I don't know if like this is excitement or I, I'm going to watch Enola Holmes this week. I'm just interested. I don't know. I don't know. It might be fun. And then Hillbilly Elegy is coming out this year with uh, Amy Adams is supposed to be in that. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know anything about it. It's based on a book. I can tell you that much. Ron Howard movie. Oh, shit. It's a Ron Howard movie. <laughs> you know, that could go either way. There's like a, uh, there's a baseline on the, on the Ron Howard movies. Like you're, you're not going to get. You're not going to get anything worse than Solo. And, have you uh, ever seen Night Shift? I have not. That, mo- that movie is not funny. And it, <laughs> it, it, it's a comedy. It's also from the 80s. So I guess it's probably not for me. I, I wonder if that was... Because uh, I think he... It's his first movie. Straight up. Like yeah. He was still in Happy okay. Days, I think, when he made that movie. Okay. That would make sense. Because... Um, here's a, here's a here's a fun little piece of trivia. So Ron Howard took his role that he has in American Graffiti, I believe, um, as like a way to gain um, favor with the studio in order to direct his first movie. Oh, cool! <laughs> just fun. <laughs> it just wasn't for me. You know, I don't know. I'm not a big Henry Winkler guy. I don't. I. Uh... Oh, you don't like the Fonz? I don't think he's a very good anything. And I still, I'll never get over the piece of trivia that he didn't want to be like credited or like on the poster for Scream because he didn't want people to think like he was a big part of it. It's like, oh, Fonz, like you're not, you're, you're not that famous, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to, you need to watch the TV show Barry with Bill Hader. Uh, uh, Henry Winkler is absolutely hilarious in that show. <laughs> And then the other movie, I don't even know if this is a Netflix movie, but the last time I saw anything about this movie was apparently Netflix was going to buy the rights, and it's The Woman in the Window. I read the book, very excited about it. The last time there's been any sort of update about what the heck is happening to this movie, it's the last Fox 2000 movie, and apparently last time I got an update on it is Netflix might buy it. It's a perfect Netflix movie. It really really is. But I think it's going to be like a really good movie. It has a lot of good people in it. It was supposed to come out in Oscar season last year. It wasn't going to like attend, I don't think, but it was like supposed to come out in like October. It, it's it got Joe Wright attached to, which Good guy. we've, we've, uh, we've talked about him plenty here on, on, uh, on the, on the five-star podcast with like atonement. Mm-hmm. And so like he, he normally does a good, good enough yeah. job. Pan, I think is like the real big black mark against his name, but Normally he turns in something pretty good, so. And it's more Amy Adams for me, and I'm always down for that. Um, <laughs> I like I don't hate Henry Winkler. I just uh, I just never, never thought he was funny. I'm just I, I never get it. And in Scream, he's funny. Like he's just like a useless principal in Scream. He's sort of a he's sort of a star of a different generation too. Like absolutely. It's a, a like the 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 Fonz is is a iconic role for sure, but. Uh, I feel like mo- like I haven't seen I haven't seen that show. So <laughs> I've seen like episodes. I've never, I've never like it, it's uh I, you know anybody under like like twenty probably doesn't even know what Happy Days is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but 
I do like Henry Winkler. I wish the best for him. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I never wish ill will on a man. I just think his movie in 1982 was not good. <laughs> well, we've, uh, we've exhausted our options here with uh, the Netflix movies. We will move on to our feature presentation, the 2009 Oscar ceremony. Uh, as you mentioned before, just a really, <laughs> just a really, really rough um, go of it this time around. Probably the like least impressive crop of movies we've talked about yet. Um, the options here that we had to choose from were uh, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, The Reader, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Milk and Frost Nixon. Um, do you want to let the people know what our number five is, Wolf? Our number five is a film that thinks it's too good to even be available for three ninety nine on Amazon, and that is The Reader, starring <laughs> Slut. Um, the, I mean, I'm just. I'm, do we do these podcasts assuming that people have watched the movies if they're listening? Yeah, we can spoil okay. these these things, All right? So I, you know, you know what the reader's about. You know, it's the first half is a very uncomfortable illegal relationship between Kate Winslet and David Cross. Incredibly uncomfortable. I, th- I believe so. Yes. Uh, David Cross, who learned English just to show his third leg in a movie. His Johnson. Um, <laughs> shocking moment. You knew it was coming, but like when it actually came, you were like, You're like, wow. Oh my God. Why did we wow. do this? That was uh, it was like it was like in it was like in forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, except for except way cringier because it's not cringier. played for laps. <laughs> um, so the reader, you know, tells the story of a woman who's illiterate and she goes and works for a uh, Nazi camp and she does stuff that she's not proud of. And she's illiterate. Do you know she was? I don't know if you saw the movie. Do you know she was illiterate? They. I, I don't know if the movie beat that point. Is she? Was she? I think I missed that part. I think I missed that part. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the reader, the, the first half's not very good. I think it's it's really weird. The pacing is... So last week, I watched the movie before we, we podcasted. The longest two hours of my life was waiting for oh. me to be like, hey, man, I'm good. And then I was like, I gotta watch the reader? This is... Holy cow. I'm this sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> longest two hours of my life. It uh, It's not an awful movie, but, like, the first half was just such a tough watch. And then the second half, like once he, like the David Cross gets older and Ralph Fiennes kind of shows up, I think it gets a little better. I think, honestly, yeah. once like Winslet leaves the movie, you're like, this isn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that insane too? I, I, we will get to it in a second, but she went best actress. And like, mm-hmm. that's to- that's definitely the case with this movie. <laughs> it, uh, I think, we talked about another Stephen Daldry film with The Hours, which I think is at least watchable. And I, I like I feel like I could rewatch The Hours and not like totally be upset that I'm rewatching The Hours. But like The Reader, I don't think I ever want to watch again. No, I, I, I won't be returning to this movie. It's just a, like the awkwardness of the premise is never really like I'm never really able to surmount this in this movie. Like I can never really get over the fact that like I'm watching a movie with the Weinsteins names in front of it and it's about like a a relationship between a 50 year old and like a 38 year old you know that's just incredibly awkward uh and like they it cuts between those timelines which you would think would be a good thing because by god is this slow 
And so you'd think like, oh, we can cut between those and we'll at least be constantly cutting. So something interesting is always happening, even if we're hitting a lull in one of the timelines. But it doesn't even really do that effectively, which is really upsetting. It just makes this thing drag so completely. Um, And, you know, like, I just, I don't know. I felt like a lot of the performances were very stilted. There's not really anything like, there's not really anything to keep you engaged in this. Um, no, not really. Uh, I had a thought. Oh, in a year that Curious Case of Benjamin Button came out, it's shocking they couldn't find better old person makeup for Kate Winslet. Oh my God. <laughs> it seemed like they only put it on her forehead too. What the hell was that? It looks like they just like turned her gray. It's like, you're yeah. gray now. <laughs> I. The shot where he goes and he meets her in the prison and like tells her he's going to be like the person looking after her when she gets out. And it's like, gee, I wonder which one is Kate Winslet because like there's three actual old people sitting at tables and then there's Kate Winslet whose hair is like so white. It's like a like a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like glowing with the old people makeup like just like, well, geez, I don't think that's a real old person. Yeah, she like, she absolutely ruined his life. Like, she's like 30 plus years old and he's 15. Like, that is, uh, that's not going to fly. And his life was kind of ruined for it. it. It seemed like he was never able to, like, achieve emotional in- intimacy because of it. Yet, we're kind of supposed to feel bad for her character, I think. Which is she's just illiterate, baffling. Dude. She's illiterate. They're like, yeah, she was a, a Nazi and a security guard at, at Auschwitz. But yeah. She, you should feel bad just because she can't read. Um, yep, that's the reader. All right, notable nominations. Five nominations, one win. We won't linger on this too long. Uh, as I mentioned before, Kate Winslet won for Best Actress in a Leading Role. The other nominees, Anne Hathaway, Rachel Getting Married, Angelina Jolie for The Changeling, uh, Melissa Leo for Frozen River, and Meryl Streep for Doubt. Um, seems like a pretty weak category. I've never even seen any of these besides the reader. If I could go back and redo it, Meryl Streep wins for Mamma Mia. <laughs> yes, please, please. <laughs> uh, Meryl Streep's good in doubt. I mean, she's not doing anything different than she already does anyway. So, but give that to her, maybe. Sure. Not why not? Kate, not Kate Winslet playing a Nazi. <laughs> I don't know. She's got a billion nominations. She's like, she is full of nominations, and it's almost like this is the weakest year. Let's just throw it at her. I mean, oh my god, this this she, this at the time was her sixth nomination, and since then she's gotten a seventh for an Academy Award. Uh, they they wow. really snuck this this bad win by us here because it was a weak year. I don't feel like people like turn back and like mark this one as like a boy, this was a bad nomination, but yeah, I feel like it's more like, you know, like, Oh, Kate Winslet Oscar winner. That makes sense. Let's not worry about for what. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah, that feels right that she should have an Oscar win. I agree. Are you ready to move on to the number four? Yeah. We will jump timelines to a uh, man aging backwards. This is, David Fincher's film, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, starring Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. 
about the titular Benjamin Button. He's aging backwards. Uh, he's getting into kooky hijinks. It's all being told by a by old Kate uh, Blanchett talking to her daughter in the hospital dying it inexplicably during a hurricane. I don't really understand that part. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought I thought Pitt and Blanchett were really good together. I like the scenes where it's the two of them together. I thought they were stronger in those scenes than a lot of the other ones. And I wish there was more of that. Um, as opposed to the old person makeup in, in the reader, the old person makeup is pretty good in this movie as, as a lot of the special effects are, you know, we're like, we're 12 years on now, but I, I think for the most part, they do a good job of masking things. Like I thought I was really going to cringe when young Brad Pitt shows back up, but they do a good job of sort of hiding things. Doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> I don't, were you afraid of that moment? <laughs> Cause I was. Um, no, I don't know. I think I was no. pretty okay with everything. I think it worked. Yeah, no, I think they did a good job with it. Um, this sort of made me think of like about Forrest Gump, which uh, like it just feels like a similar type of story, um, but it's not as like goofy or funny. So this felt like really long. Like oh, that was, I oh think that's god. my main issue. Just oh my god, really long. <laughs> um, I probably could have lost the whole first hour. <laughs> I really like it's. The beginning is just like you're expecting this movie with like Brad Pitt and then he's just not there. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, seriously. You're like, oh man. I did you like at least seeing the uh young Mahershala Ali in the in the beginning hour? I did, and I liked seeing the young Elf like even younger Al Fanning. Yeah, oh my god. I she's popped up a couple times because um oh, what was the other one she was in where she played a young character? Uh God dang, um, uh, Babel. Yes, it's just like, oh shit, there she is. She, uh, that... I love Elle Fanning. I would anything. She, I am like a pro. Any, oh, Elle Fanning is in this. All right, I'm in. <laughs> like, here we go. I'm, I'm down to give it a try. Um, I love to hear P. Henson in this movie, like a lot. Every time she's on the screen, the movie mm-hmm. is better for it. Yeah, yeah, she was good in the movie. She definitely like. She just brought like a shot of energy into it for sure. Um, good Kate, good good Pitt and Blanchett, and by far my favorite scene in the movie is older Brad Pitt with Tilda Swinton in the hotel, and mm-hmm. they're just like talking, and like you look at it's like you had just walked into the room, you'd be like ah two people same point in their life like this is a really beautiful moment, but then like in actuality it's like Brad Pitt like a young Brad Pitt learning from, like, an older Tilda Swinton. It's just, like, this really, like, awesome moment. Really great Tilda Swinton. Yes. Her playing, like, a, a shockingly normal character for her own standards, uh, too. Um, I like the little bit, too, where she comes back in the end and she sw- swum the English Channel. I thought that was a really nice little, like, yeah, tidying up of that storyline. Yeah, that's definitely a good part. Uh, I, I have a question for you. So, as... <laughs> As, as Brad Pitt got older and he aged younger, were you like wondering what that was going to look like? Because I, I was. I, uh, I guess I didn't know what the like technology was at that point. Like nowadays, they would just, you know, they would have a lot to do with that. But I think I was like, I was kind of excited. I was hoping that he would look like young, hot Brad Pitt and he looked like young, hot Brad Pitt. 
Yes, I, I think they did a good job of like getting to that moment, and and they're like, okay, this is he's looking young, and then as as he got younger than that, I was like hoping that he was going to stay the same height because you know he's 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 short like a toddler, but when he's an old person, so mm-hmm. I was hoping it was going to be the inverse where he was just like a six foot two like eight year old. <laughs> Or like a gigantic baby, and Kate Blanchett's holding this like six foot two baby, like <laughs> cradling it. <laughs> that would have been perfect. That would have been uh, that would have been the goofiness we need. Fincher would never let that happen, but that's what we need. I I just want like a cut of that, you know. Like I just want to see what it looks. Like. <laughs> I understood why they didn't go in that direction, but I was like, this this should be how it looks, though, right? <laughs> Is uh. Is this even remotely like a top five? Is this top six Fincher for you? Oh, uh, not not even close. No, like it's, uh, no, it's weird. It's not. It's not it for me. But I like. I like it. It's really impressive, and it definitely by the end yeah. of the movie, I was like I'm a little emotional. Like this is kind of tough to watch. I was glad I watched it, but yeah, for sure. Like, it's like I would take Seven, Fight Club, um, Zodiac, Social Network. Panic Room, all, all those over this. Gone Girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Gone Girl. Gone, Gone Girl, so good. <laughs> That'll be a movie club sometime, I'm sure. I fucking love that movie. I could talk for days <laughs> about that movie. Book's great. The movies might even be better. It's so good. I never went back and read the book, but I've read all of her other books. And it, uh, she's good. She's good. I've never seen the other movies, though, from her books. Yeah, I haven't seen those. I, I, th- I heard the... TV series Sharp Objects is a good adaptation. I couldn't get into it. I think I gave it like like an hour, and I was like, oh, man, I can't do this. I'm going <laughs> to stick to Gone Girl. I'm yeah. to, I'll stick to the book. <laughs> Gone Girl's so good, though. We're, we're straying into, the, into Fincher's more interesting movies, so I think that means it's time to get to the nominations here. This movie got 13 nominations, which, by God, that tells you what kind of year it was. <laughs> Um, it had three wins, uh, mostly in technical categories. Um, the one that I wanted to zoom in on here was Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Um, Penelope Cruz won for the Woody Allen film Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, Amy Adams and Viola Davis, our girl Viola, uh, were both nominated for the movie Doubt. Uh, Taraji P. Henson was nominated for this movie. And then Marissa Tomei was nominated for The Wrestler. Uh, what do you think about this category, Wolf? Um, I've never seen any of these movies, once again. <laughs> but uh, good for Penelope Cruz. I, uh, I like her. I think she's good. That's just another one, too, where it's just like, it feels right that she has an Oscar. Do you want to know who it doesn't feel right that she doesn't have an Oscar? Amy Adams. Who? True. Give her an Oscar, damn it. Maybe she'll get one soon. Fingers crossed. Doubt. Like, what is this movie? It's um, it's a like a stage adaptation. It's it's Meryl Streep, Amy Adams, Viola Davis, and then um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, it's like about a, a priest who's being accused of, I believe, of like molesting a young child, and uh, whether that's true or not. It's an interesting movie. Um, only an hour forty-four. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it it hums. It hums. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, good for uh, actually. I don't know if I, this might be the right time to mention that this was the Oscars where 
instead of being like, here's last year's winner of Best Supporting Actor, blah, 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 they brought out five people who had won the award in the past. Oh, really? So it was, uh, was kind of cool. It's actually, it's actually really cool that they did that. Um, it, it's like, I think it's worth your time to go back and watch. And don't watch the whole thing because each of the five people like read like a book about each of the nominees and it's like, I don't care. Like, who <laughs> Let's go. But uh, it's cool. They, they haven't done that since. They, they clearly were like, this is a bit of a boring ceremony. We got to do some things to get ourselves uh, oh, excited. Wait, did we get the Slumdog Millionaire? I got, I, I, I want it. I don't know if you've ever watched them win Best Picture before, but um, that was the first time that I can think of from the videos I've watched that everybody went on stage. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in a moment. Um, yeah, I, I'll definitely let you riff on that one though. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to our number three though. First, uh, what is our number three wolf? Um, I just got a junk call and it didn't even, didn't even register. Our number three is Frost <laughs> Nixon. Um, Frost Nixon, you know, it tells the story of, the interview after Nixon had been removed from office between David Frost is that his name? Yes, David Frost. And and Richard Nixon and it tells a story kind of from both sides of both Richard Nixon and David Frost and the different things they were going through in their life going up into this interview and the the actual interview taking place and and the filming of it and I kind of liked how it was they had like the scenes where it was like almost someone front facing interviewing like the Matthew McFadden character probably said that wrong or the Sam Rockwell character. I, I enjoyed those parts um, movie with really good chemistry between Frank Langella Langella and Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen's really good in this movie. I thought Frank Langella was good. Um, I think he really shined in the drunk call scene. That was really cool. Yeah. That was probably the standout scene for me too. I really loved that. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I don't think it's like, like, uh, what am I trying to say about this? It's not like a, it wasn't a boring biopic. Like we've talked about more boring biotype picks before. Cause I don't know if this was like a, per- this wasn't, I mean, the, our favorite scene was, didn't even happen. Like I was reading <laughs> the trivia that didn't even happen. That was like, that was based off things Nixon's done before, but it didn't happen there. And I don't know if this tells me an accurate story end of the day which i think is fine because mm-hmm. i think like, i don't need this movie to be 100 percent perfect it needs to be like a good movie and it, it really humped like for a two-hour movie about two white guys talking to each other it was pretty <laughs> damn watchable i'll be honest yeah it definitely like it does a good job of of both doing sort of the thing that like steve jobs does uh like the movie not the human being but of just being like you don't need the whole life of this guy. You just need this one moment where it was interesting um, and sort of like sticking with that. Um, And then it basically just takes that and makes it into like a sports movie um, where, you know, like you're rooting for, for Michael Sheen as David Frost and his sort of like crew of people that, um, you know, want to take Nixon to task and they're kind of like the underdog team. And then, uh, Franklin Jell and Kevin Bacon are like the somewhat robotic uh, contenders or whatever that that they're going up against. And I don't know. I, th- I felt like it worked in that way. It's maybe adheres to that formula a little bit too much, um, uh, which you know is I think something that people knock Ron Howard for. But I thought it was. I thought the way it was like employed in this movie 
it moved really well. It kept it interesting. Um, it didn't blow me away, but like all of the performances were good. There's a lot of uh, overqualified performers in, in smaller roles. Um, and they really just like bring this thing to life. So, you know, I, I think mainly because of the, the, the writer, there's a lot of like comparisons you could draw between this and the queen. I think I maybe prefer this one to the queen a little Me bit, too. but similar, similar sort of thing where they're just like, let's zoom in on one event and sort of give you the like spark notes on that. Kevin Bacon early in his career, I mean, this isn't early in his career at all, but like earlier than like this decade was really good at showing up in like movies, like the, the good movies. He's like, oh, Kevin Bacon's in this movie. Like he did that for like two decades of just yeah. like appearing in movies. And now he's just kind of a working actor appearing in, appearing in shitty movies, but good for <laughs> Kevin Bacon. It is nice to see him in some of these like Oscars movies where you're like, oh, He's doing a good job. Good job, Kevin Bacon. You know, Working like, oh. Wild things. I have not. I've told you my teacher worked on that, though, right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Great and Wild Things. Really good. Really good and Wild Things. I've got to see that movie sometime and then and then tell him I, I saw it. I'll send him an email or something. It's really good for someone like me who has, like, a, an obsession with Nev Campbell. I, I, would, I would die for <laughs> Nev Campbell. I love her so much. Did you see – are they – are they doing another Scream movie? Am I am I crazy? Oh, they are. Yeah, she's coming back for Scream Five, and my girlfriend and I are excited because we never found Scream Four, and that's coming to Hulu. Oh, there you go. That uh, that'll be exciting to see. We'll move on to the nominations here with Frost Nixon. I'm sorry. I all these movies are so boring that it's just like we we keep veering off, and we just got to be like staying on task, you know. <laughs> Tell me about the nominations. Tell me about all of Frost Nixon's Oscar wins. All five of them with no wins. Uh, the one we're going to zoom in on is Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, it Slumdog Millionaire was the winner. It was written by Simon Beaufoy. Uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button was nominated. It was written by Eric Roth. Screen Story by Eric Roth and Robin Swicord. Doubt. Written by John Patrick Shanley. Ugh. Frost Nixon, which was written by Peter Morgan, who we talked a little bit about for The Queen. And then The Reader, uh, screenplay by David Hare. Uh, what do you think about this crop of nominees? Um, they're good. Uh, well, no. I think... <laughs> I think... <laughs> Millionaire is a good win. I think it's a it's a pretty good story, for sure. Yeah, I feel good about the Slumdog Millionaire win. Uh, I'm so glad they didn't give it to the reader. Oh my god, Stephen Dolger would have then like made another one of these dog or one of these bullshit <laughs> movies. That's like the sort of like that's the confirmation that we're living in the worst timeline is that that the reader like would somehow win in in just like just like one of the most boring movies I've, I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I don't understand why that got a nomination. In the year that Never Back Down graced the theaters, that I'll die on that. You know, I, I, I would be there for Never Back Down getting nominated instead of instead of the reader. Uh, there I said it. <laughs> Amber Heard, best actress in a leading role. <laughs> who's, the, who's the lead actor in that? Is that Cam... Uh... 
Well, Cam Gigandat is like the 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 bully. Every time he shows up in a movie, I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be bad. But lately, that's not been true. Um, I can't think of his name. Sean something. Give him the best actor job. Never back down, Sean Ferris. Sean Ferris. I gotta look up this guy's face now. I, I, he I, uh, looks like a normal dude. That's like he he is not very good at his job, which is why he doesn't work a whole lot. You know, <laughs> you know what? He's a legend though for, for never back down. Have you ever seen that movie? That movie's incredible. <laughs> I haven't. I, I I know that it like I know that you love it though. Every time, every time you mention it, I love it. <laughs> I've seen that movie like six times. That's probably the movie I've seen the most in my life outside of like a Disney movie. <laughs> it, it seems like it's at least just like it knows what it is. It's just having a good time. Oh yeah, it uh, it it's every time someone says Evan Peters, I'm like, oh, never back down. And it's like, what? <laughs> not American Horror Story, not X Men. Never back down. It's where I first saw him, and I was like, this guy's pretty good, and I knew. <laughs> <laughs> you you spotted that talent. <laughs> What's our number two? Do you want to want to tell everyone our number two? Jai Ho. Uh, our number two is Slumdog Millionaire, the 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 motion picture that took home the took took home the award for best picture. Um, <laughs> I thought this was a a fun movie. I hadn't revisited it in a while. Um, uh, I was glad to see that it ages pretty well. Uh, that it still looks good. It moves incredibly quick. Um, the multiple timeline structure of this movie works a lot better than the reader. It keeps you engaged. It, it helps you understand why he's so good at who wants to be a millionaire. You're also getting like the backstory of his life. You're just, <laughs> you're getting everything you need in this movie from that setup and it's keeping it in an interesting way. Um, Deb Patel is very charming in this movie. So, so glad that this launched his career. Um, and you know, I, I, I like watching him in this movie a lot. Um, I also just want to say that Jai Ho lives rent free in, in both of our minds that, all the time. I've listened to that song like a million times. I watched that movie <laughs> and I listened to Jai Ho like the next six days. <laughs> that, that song like was an honest to God hit and I, I can't believe it, but I'm, I'm yeah. so happy about it. <laughs> I, I like Slumdog Millionaire. I've seen this movie, I think, a, a couple times now, like in the last like like seven or eight months, because I watched it before I knew we were ever going to do this, and mm-hmm. it, it's pretty good. It uh, it I actually like it more on the second time because like my big problem with it, I think it gets really repetitive, where it's yes. like like we get it, like the kid's going through hell, and like he's going to learn that the answer to this is because we're going to be forced to watch the kid burn alive while he's holding something okay like we get it we're good you're not wrong (laughs) i uh i don't love like the middle of the movie just because like the first you're like okay like this is really cool how we're like seeing how he knows these answers and then the end of it the end of that movie when he wins oh oh my god and when she answers the phone oh my god that movie's like oh my god i go nuts every time that like the last like 10 minutes of that movie i'm i am i'm in i'm so in (laughs) It did like it gave me goosebumps. It gave oh, yeah. me goosebumps when I watched it. I was like, "Yeah, it still does it. Yeah, good job." I must have not been paying attention the first time I saw the movie perfectly, but the scene in the bathroom with uh with Dev Patel and the guy, the the talk show host, where he like writes B, mm-hmm. is is so good. And I love how later in that yeah. movie, the guy's like, "You were giving him answers," and he was like, "Sorta." <laughs> <laughs> I that. That guy is so good in that movie, in this movie. Like, he's just, so, 
I that that is definitely one of the the best plot points in it too is that he's constantly kind of just trying to undermine him and things like that because even in the beginning he's talking about like the only other person that one from their neighborhood was him so mm-hmm. you can just tell he kind of just wants to keep him down he still wants to be the only one it's so entertaining to watch yep i agree great locations india looks sick bombay looks sick i mean it doesn't look like a great place to be like not all of the places were like wow i want to go there but like it looked good it looked really good yeah it is like a beautiful looking movie and paper planes was in this movie which felt enormously out of place so tacked on. So tacked on in that scene. <laughs> and it's like, woo, I don't know if I need... I had, like, there were some, like, plot holes in this movie that kind of got me. Like, how long... They, like, aged significantly on that train. How long yeah. were they on that train? Was it, like, Darjeeling Limited? Or, like, what was going on there? <laughs> I was wondering the same thing, too. As I was like, we went from, like, eight-year-olds to, like, 16-year-olds yeah. on this train. Like, wow. I didn't notice that the first time. I was like, okay, they're still young. And then this time I was like, oh, I think we got new actors. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> um, I, the other big plot hole for me was we go from Dev Patel getting, like, ditched by his brother and the girl he was obsessed with. I don't know her name. And Latika! Latika! Thank you. And it was probably like, I don't know, maybe five, six years between that and the next time we see him serving tea to people. I was like, what was yeah. he doing that whole time? How, how the hell is he alive? <laughs> He's just chilling. He's just hanging out. Like, what's happening? I, I'd love to know. <laughs> how did he find somewhere to live? You know, how is, was he just working at that kitchen that whole time? Like, what happened? I guess. <laughs> I also, uh, Salim, the brother, just a really fucking annoys me sometimes in this movie. He's such a shit heel. Like, um, oh, he's he becomes a little irredeemable. Or not a little. He becomes irredeemable when when he pulls that shit where he like basically rapes that girl. It's well, we don't know uh, what happened. Hard. We don't know what happened. Well, I I think I can fill in the blanks there. The blanks. That's fair. Where's that deleted scene? I I, I hope they didn't do that. I hope that's not. Please. God, I hope they didn't like shoot that and then like go like, oh, we'll cut it. Like, and it's like, what? I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. Please no. Please no. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. So um, I, yeah, I oh, have a question. A question here. Yeah, I have a little question here for you. So I think that Danny Boyle, uh, the director of this movie, it just like really pulls out a lot of stops. He's doing so much with the digital photography in this movie. Um, and I wanted to ask you. And, and it looks great. I wanted to ask you, since you're a big Michael Mann guy, who do you think is better at like maximizing digital cinematography? Do you think it's Danny Boyle, or, or are you still with your guy, Michael Mann? Michael Mann. It's not close. I mean, it's close, but it's not close. Uh, what, makes you, what makes you go in that direction? Uh, looks just sick. Just, <laughs> like, I want to go, like, I want to, like, live wherever... I just want to go to that club where Tom Cruise kills like 16 guys. I want to go there. <laughs> and he made like, I think everybody makes Miami look good. It's not hard to make Miami look good. If I've learned anything from watching all the movies I have. And, but he makes Miami look, uh, he doesn't make Miami look the best. Whoever did the bad boys makes Miami look the best. But um, I don't know. I guess, I guess I didn't realize it was digital. I knew there was something about it that made it like, 
catch my eye. Like it definitely like watched him like this looks really good. Um I do love the scene where they're like uh he sees Celine for the first time in a long time. I think that's like a really like you kind of see the background a little bit and they're on top of the parking structure. That looks really good. Mm-hmm. I do like Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle's kind of the guy. Like he, he does makes a, good movies. He does a great job with these. I, I do agree that I think I like the look of Michael Mann's movies better. He definitely like brings like a, a, a like an amount of coolness to it. Mm-hmm. Danny Boyle though, he's definitely you can just always count on him to like pull out all the stops, you know, like he's changing colors, he's changing frame rates. Um, you know, like you said, there's that scene on the uh where uh Salim and Malik or Jamal meet again. And um, you know, there's like even that sort of like imaginary aspect to that scene. Uh yeah, yeah. so you just really can count on Danny Boyle throwing out all the stops and I find that I incredibly think, entertaining. I think he's a very good director. Um I, I, I really do. I, I, I like well I guess I have I've seen three of his movies. And I like those three. But he is. He's incredibly talented. I, I think uh you know even something like I think people knock him on Steve Jobs uh, just because they were so excited that he, that David Fincher was originally attached. But I, I think um, he does a great job of like making it his own and like bringing that story together. I think he does a f- phenomenal job. I love Steve Jobs. I remember I had my parents watch Steve Jobs. I don't know. They had like a weird complaint about it. And I was like, Seth Rogen and Fastman are throwing like hundred mile fast ones at each other. Like any movie with that, I'm in. Yeah, like sign me up. I love it. <laughs> like someone yeah, think... was like, "Hey, Seth, you want to like act?" And he would like, "Yeah, I can act. I'll act." Like he's like, "Finally, yes, yes, yeah. yes." <laughs> uh, speaking of Danny Boyle's accomplishments as a director, this earned him one of eight nomination or one of eight wins, one of ten nominations. Um, the other. Uh, Folks nominated, the other white men nominated in the best directing category uh, were David Fincher for Benjamin Button, uh, Ron Howard for Frost Nixon, Gus Van Sant for Milk, and Stephen Daldry for The Reader. So, you know, just your best picture nominees there. Uh, do you feel good about Danny winning, though? I did not know Issa Rae joined us on this podcast. Yeah. Very exciting yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, surprise guest. Uh, we pulled out all the stops to get her here. Okay. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Bottom of my heart, completely honest. The best directed movie of 2008 is Burn After Reading. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I'm I, think that, I think that movie like really is put together well, and it moves at a great pace, and every part of it is so perfect. That's a, like, that's a great movie. Burn After Reading is so good. Definitely an underrated Coen Brothers movie. Um, yeah. It should have... Should have netted them a, a nomination, certainly for Stephen Daldry. Like, what are, what are we doing with him? What are we doing with him in this category? Um, I would also just like to say, uh, you know, you and I were we're not the biggest like we're not the biggest like um, superhero movie people, but like The Dark Knight did come out this year. Oh I God, feel I like Chris, yeah. Christopher Nolan probably could have gotten a nomination in here. Uh, and that would have been uh, you could sub him in for Ron Howard. Ron Howard's not doing anything nuts. Uh, Stephen Daldry, Stephen Daldry, like what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, I seriously like what? We watched both of his movies, and they were both just completely boring. 
the hours at least had like enough to it where I was like, you know what? Like, should this have been nominated? No. Was this watchable? Yeah. The hours. That's true. More. The 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 performances were at least interesting enough in the hours where it was like, okay, I could stick with it. I could keep going here. This one is just completely devoid of that. I, I'm shocked that it got a best directing nomination because I don't feel like it was well directed. Between these people though, I'm 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 very comfortable with uh with Danny Boyle because the other guy, Gus Van Sant, I don't I don't I don't think I, you know, I think Slumdog Millionaire works in a lot of ways, depending on like who you move in and out of that of, of that movie. But I you know, I think Mill could have been directed by a lot of different people and Sean Penn would have dragged it to the finish line. Agreed. Yeah. Gus Van Sant's doing interesting things, but like Danny Boyle is just really He's just really going all out in that movie. And uh, I, I feel good about him winning. Um, this takes us to our number one. If, if you haven't guessed it by now, it is Milk. My name is Harvey Milk, and I would like to recruit you. Um, yeah, this is just a well-made movie. I, I think uh, just to like continue to echo the sentiments that we've had this whole time, it's not like you're not going to like bang down the doors like, telling people that this is a, an amazing movie, but it's just super well done. Sean Penn's great. Um, a lot of the cast is really good. Um, even like James Franco, I think is, is pretty good in this movie. Um, and it just moves really well. I like the way it combines like documentary footage from the uh, documentary film, The Life and Times of Harvey Milk, and then some like newsreel stuff. And then, you know, with the stuff that they shot, I think it all comes to get together pretty well. Um, I like Josh Brolin in this movie. It just is like just another like sort of generic biopic. That's uh, all I really got. <laughs> this uh, this isn't super fair to Milk, but if you were to get rid of our lowest rated movie last time, Atonement, and insert Milk into those five, it would have been our lowest rated Oscar movie. Uh, so l- let's play the name game here. Then would you would you have uh, would you have rather had Atonement or Milk as your number one? Is my number one milk. I think milk is the better movie still. Okay. Um, what about? Okay, this is an easy one. What about Michael Clayton? Michael Clayton's the best movie ever made. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, Michael Clayton. <laughs> Michael Clayton rips. That's what I was sitting there thinking. I was just like, "Give me Michael Clayton, please." Like, I wish, I wish Michael Clayton came out this year. We could just scream about it. <laughs> I was watching Rope. Um, this is my last digression. Then I'll dive into Milk. I was watching Rope last night, and one of the characters like throws their like glass. They had champagne in, and it made me think of one of the first scenes of Michael Clayton when like the dude who like hit the car. He was running. In the middle of the street. <laughs> He's in the middle of the street. There's that light. It was blinding me. It was blinding me. <laughs> anyway. That guy that guy's in milk too. Yes. He was the 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 like guy that he had the rat like the, the debate against in the gym. Yeah. Wow. This movie too. <laughs> wow. Good guy. You're making good movies. Yeah. You know what? If you can just be that guy in a ton of movies, you're going to have a good career. <laughs> I, I really liked Milk. Uh, I gave it, it was the only movie I gave four stars to from this year. Um, it was a really great supporting cast. Shout out Lucas Rebill. Looking good. <laughs> um, but everyone just kind of let Sean Penn cook. Sean Penn, um, I think he's really good at like, 
I feel like Sean Penn never really plays Sean Penn, at least in movies that the Academy likes mm-hmm. of him. And I love how he's able to really mold in and become Harvey Milk. Um, it took a lot of twists and turns I wasn't expecting. For some reason, I wasn't like expecting the whole like Diego Luna part, but that's like a very typical like plot point in movies about like really famous um, gay people. I feel like in every mm-hmm. movie, it's like, oh, like this really famous person takes it astray and it never goes well. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like every freaking movie and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, get, I mean, if it's true, it's true. And that's on me for like thinking that it's not true. But like, it's just crazy to me every time I see one of these movies, it's like, that's a plot point and it has to be hit. I think you're 100% right. I think uh, you and I both have, have that down in our notes. And I think we're hitting on like a similar thing here, which is um, the, the sort of like the disappointing thing about this movie is it hits a lot of like, narrative conventions for gay characters you know like a lot of the gay characters die you you have that you know you just have certain things in there where you're like uh okay you know maybe if we made this now we we wouldn't turn like a finer comb finer tooth comb to those things but um yeah i i I still think it's a good movie despite those oh yeah it's a really good san francisco movie i love san francisco i think san francisco Mm -hmm. Um, like, like, like pre two thousand, San Francisco is really good because then it's not like here's our really rich people, but here's also the people who are poor as hell. That's like mm-hmm. for some reason hits San Francisco harder than like anybody. <laughs> um, San Francisco looks good in like every movie I've ever seen with San Francisco in it. Um, but like one, my one real qualm with this movie is like for some reason it felt rushed to me. Like there was like a part in the middle where like. Like, he just kept running from election to election, and it felt like I was like, ah, like, I feel like I'm missing, like, maybe, like, what's he doing? Like, is he still running this camera shop? Like, how's he making money? I just, mm-hmm. like, little things that I, like, I like to see, just because I need, like, a little reality in my movie. But um, I really like James Franco in this movie. I thought he was, like, one of the more interesting characters outside of the, uh, obviously, Sean Penn. Um I like all the rally scenes. Like anytime there's like a protest or a rally, I love the scene in the bar where he's like clearly had a few and he's doing like a big like interview on on the news. I thought that was really fun and yeah. um, I liked how um, so they had that really nice scene in the beginning with Franco and Sean Penn where like he's like I don't know if I'm even gonna make it to fifty and then they come back to that scene later like right after he was executed more or less by Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just some like really interesting performances. I, I agree with what you said about it feeling a little rushed. Like, there's definitely points where it kind of like just fast forwards through things, and you're like, was there really nothing interesting that happened in there at all? Like, not even one scene. <laughs> like, what they have their, they, they're like they just show them buying the camera shop, and then they just are like, we bought the camera shop, and then we assembled our whole crew. You know, <laughs> except for uh, Cleve Jones or whatever the guy's name was. Cleve Jones. Apparently he's like really famous. They were like pumped about it. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like we could have had like a couple scenes of just some some people actually like walking in there and, you know, just basically showing like the, the shop, like finding a foothold in the neighborhood. Um, One of my people I really liked in this movie. I'm going to tell you four other movies this person was in, and I want you to tell me who it is. Okay. So they were in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Snowpiercer, Midnight in Paris, 
Vice and Hail Caesar and also in Milk. It's a, is it Allison Pill? It's, it's Allison Pill. I really liked her in this movie. And I like her in everything. She's always really good at being in like just enough of the movie where it's like I'm not like, ugh, like this is too much Allison Pill and I'm always like, I need a little more Allison Pill in this movie. She's great. Yeah, she's uh, she's incredible. She, she's incredible in this movie. Definitely incredible in uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. God, I love her in that movie. Uh, I yeah, like her I, part I, of Snowpiercer too as like the pregnant school teacher. Yeah, that part's incredibly warped. It's so good though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, always. Uh, she's like definitely one of those like overqualified character actors. Like, just anytime you throw her into your movie, you're you're making a smart move. I agree, and like, yeah, I like I like Allison Phil. I think I think she was a. Uh, I liked her character, and I like how I liked all the the banter between her and and the guys who are like working with uh, Milk. I thought it was uh, it was funny. It's one of those things where like no one else in the world could have said it besides those people in that room. Anyone else would have been like, "What are you saying? You can't say that." <laughs> her introduction scene is is one of the best scenes in the movie. Uh, where she's just kind of joking around with them. It's so good. I agree. Her and Cleve Jones immediately were like, we're tight. Like, we're we're yeah. friends now. Yeah, exactly. They're definitely two of the best, like, supported people outside of Franco and and uh, uh, Franco and Sean Penn as well. Um, yeah, I can't even think. I'm trying to think of who else was in the room that I, like, knew the name of. Lucas uh, Greebill made me laugh just because he he was high school musical fame. Yeah, I, I just thought it was funny seeing him in it. <laughs> there's the one guy that like has the there's the one guy with the mustache that like goes to the conservative debate or whatever. I thought he was okay. Um but yeah, I think those two really stood out to me among their little like their little group of people. It's uh this is a movie that I don't. I don't have a lot of biopics that like I would revisit because it's like I know the story. Why would I rewatch this movie? But I think I'd rewatch Milk. I think there's enough facets to Milk where it's just like you know, like I'd like to see this part again, or like maybe this scene again, and just like hang out with the characters a little more. Yeah, it moves along pretty easy. It's um, it's nice and easy to watch. Quick two hours. Like, uh, you get it, it, even though it has a sad ending, it does kind of feel feel a little bit like inspirational too. You know. Yeah, and it tells you the ending. Like, it telegraphs the ending. So I think that's kind of, like, makes it easier to stomach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, this movie, it had eight nominations. It had two wins. Um, the one that we're going to zero in on is a Oscar for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Sean Penn. The other nominees were Richard Jenkins for The Visitor, uh, Frank Langella for Frost Nixon, Brad Pitt for Benjamin Button as Benjamin Button, Owner of Buttons Buttons, mm. <laughs> and uh, Mickey Rourke for the wrestler, uh, um, just a up piece of meat. Uh, I feel pretty good about Sean Penn winning for this. How about you? Every time Sean Penn wins an Oscar, the whole place like erupts. Like everybody was up. Uh, people just like love Sean Penn. People, it, 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 I'm I'm happy for him. I mean, uh, I, he must be a really liked guy or something. In, in Hollywood, I don't know. <laughs> um, very like different role that he won best yes. picture, best actor for last time in The Beloved by us, Mystic River. Uh, Is that my God. daughter? Is that my daughter in there? I just love that Sean Penn's like I've never seen a character with as much like 
he fought a, he kind of felt like he could have been in like a Godfather movie with the way he was able to control that neighborhood. Mm. Yeah, no, he was definitely like he he does a good job of like being likable, but then also being able to manipulate people. I, I it's um it's something that you have to be able to do as a as a politician, and uh, I think he does a really great job in, in that uh, in like portraying that where he's still. You don't. He doesn't. You don't feel like he's smarmy or something. You still want to follow him and want to watch him succeed. Um, he's like a good guy. Like he was able to like really try to take care of Diego Luna. But that definitely. was also like a. I got a lot of thoughts on that. I'm gonna keep them though. <laughs> definitely not like a, uh, a, a healthy power dynamic in that relationship. Like, we already uh, saw James Franco leave because Sean Penn was too busy. Do we need to introduce yet another character who can't handle how busy Sean Penn is and then yeah. the guy killed? Like, that could have been cut. Like, I don't care if it happened in his real life. That wasn't needed. Yeah, it doesn't really add too much to the story. It's a little bit disappointing of an arc. It's almost um, like the only negative they could find for Harvey Milk, which, again, this is possible. It seemed like a, a brilliant man, was that he didn't <laughs> make enough time for the people close to him because he cares so much about helping everybody which is like is that a negative <laughs> I, I, I feel like they, they just put it in there to like have something of of just being like and then pressure was mounting on harvey you know sort of thing i i you know i i think uh yeah you know what good movie milk 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 will live in a good spot in my mind there's also the chance milk becomes a movie in like two weeks someone mentions to me and i'm like what that happened to milk? But I hope not. I think milk will be good. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I mean it it's it's just a well done movie. It's pretty yeah. Oh, yeah. conventional, but just well done. Um, did you have any other movies this in in two thousand and eight that really like excited you? Um second best movie ever made. Today I actually I want to tell you this. Today I pronounced Cruel Intentions the best film ever made. I said that out loud. <laughs> What's number two? Never back down. Never back down is number two. Never back down is firm. <laughs> number two. Michael Clayton can be. Michael Clayton can be three. Never back down. The most like prototypical fight movie that like exists in this world. Um, Cam Gigandat, Evan Peters, Sean Ferris, Amber Heard, uh, Jamanja Hansu. Is that how I say his name? Jaiman ja- Hansu. Uh, he is just spectacular in this movie. Um, I think it was my first experience seeing a movie with boobs in it. Very exciting moment in my life. Um, yeah, Never Back Down is fantastic. I'll revisit that movie like once or like once every couple of years. It's just, it's just a good, just a good hang. The the reader wasn't the first uh, pair of on 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 film boobs you've ever seen. It wasn't my first time seeing Kate Winslet's boobs. <laughs> I get carried away. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Number two. Cloverfield. I like Cloverfield. I think it's. I like a movie with a uh, with a plot device like Cloverfield works. One camera shot, the whole like it's one. You get you get the look through like the camera that uh, I can't think of his name. Tyler Miller. Know. That Tyler Merrill is TJ Miller. Around. TJ Miller, not Tyler Miller. Yikes! That's a good. That's a good callback to high school. That yeah. TJ Miller is carrying around, and Cloverfield's all right. It's a good monster movie, but I think I think a lot. I think a lot of movies took <laughs> Cloverfield and made it better. Taken, great movie. I love Taken. I think Taken's a lot of fun. It's not perfect, but it's a really good action Absolutely. movie. It's exactly what you want in an action movie, and it's solid for that. Burn After Reading is a really good movie. I'm surprised it wasn't. I think it's some sort of nomination after how good the Coen Brothers were last year. Also kind of an awesome, like, 
Coen Brothers go from a, the, like No Country for Old Men, which is like admittedly a little depressing, <laughs> to Burn After Reading, which is like more or less like a, a, a like a sarcastic comedy with good character work from Brad Pitt, and then Mamma Mia, which is awesome. <laughs> you just sent me sent me back six years with that name. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> and then I love Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia has great songs. That I love ABBA. Who doesn't love ABBA? Exactly. You just go to Mamma Mia, you you listen to ABBA for two hours, and then you're happy. Yep, that's all you need. Um, I highlighted a few a few other films here. I had In Bruges uh, by Martin McDonough, starring Colin Farrell and um, Brendan Gleeson and Ray Fiennes, just giving an incredible performance, swearing just so much. Uh, it's 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 a wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun dark comedy. I definitely recommend it if you liked Three Billboards or Seven Psychopaths. You haven't seen it. Um, Wally, uh, where's my Wally Best Picture nomination? God damn it, that movie's so good. I love Wally. They gave it to uh, up. Yeah, damn it, <laughs> fucking a. Uh, and then I, Nicholas Winding Refn's. I want to say it is his directorial debut. Um, starring none other than Tom Hardy, uh, Bronson. This is an incredible movie. Tom Hardy's insane in this movie. It's not for everybody, but I definitely recommend it. What's the, um, how's the dialogue? You know, it is actually much better. It's There's more of it. There's more of it than normal. I think this is the only... Uh, this is the only Nicholas Winding Refn movie where I remember a line of dialogue. <laughs> It has it has the c word in it, so I'm not going to repeat it. But uh, it's it's a funny line. <laughs> um, a movie that I definitely remember a lot of lines of dialogue from is Step Brothers with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Uh, God, just what a dynamic duo uh, yep. they are in, in comedy. And there's also a very interesting animated film that I watched in school called Waltz with Bashir. Uh, that came out this year. It's a very interesting look back on on war. It's one of those like uh, sort of like foreign uh, adult animated pieces. It's really interesting. They do this sort of like rotoscope thing. The animation looks very unique. I definitely recommend that too. Um, also, we would just be remiss for not mentioning that The Dark Knight came out this year. That was the big controversy around this Oscars. Is why isn't The Dark Knight nominated? Which, like, watching these movies, like. Yeah, why isn't it nominated? Like, I'm not going to cry about it, but, like, yeah, it's better than most of these movies. I mean, it's an absolutely incredible... I love The Dark Knight. It's an incredible movie. It, uh, I feel like it's a lot of the reason why they upped the possible nominations to, to, to 10 uh, mm-hmm. going forward, because it's like, it's like a real mess. It's a real dark spot. Looking back on the 2000s, you're like, when did Dark Knight come out? It's not here as a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, like... It, it just feels like such a no-brainer, especially when you stack it up against these other movies, you know? Yeah, and I think we'd be remiss to not talk about the Best Supporting Actor win for the late Heath Ledger. Just an mm-hmm. undeniably perfect performance as the Joker. It is... It was, it was incredible at the time. It's even more incredible now. And as someone who, like, had no Heath Ledger experience before seeing The Dark Knight and now, like, has a lot of Heath Ledger... Movies in my back pocket, like the dude could do it all. The dude was Just, was was a real, really good, great actor. 
so so good transcends um you know the superhero genre just yeah it's sad that he's gone now but yeah he was he's phenomenal in that movie and uh it, it was so sad when he passed away uh what I'll would like, you i'll rewatch his scenes from that movie because he's like he's that good that and then like the juxtaposing that performance with the last one that we talked about for him too which was um brokeback mountain they're just so different but he's mm-hmm. he's incredibly captivating and uh, uh he's just the best. i love him yeah he's in, he's incredible uh sort of like almost in a way sort of like our generation is james dean or something like that i, I, I agree uh, with that i like that take what would your five nominees be if uh if you were <laughs> this is tough sledding all right so my general rule is if i give it four stars it gets a nomination so going off that wonderful wonderful black and white rule of mine <laughs> It would be Milk get, gets back with the nom. Dark Knight. Um, I think Wally has four stars for me. I hope it does. Um, Never Back Down, of course. Um, Burn After Reading. Mamma Mia. This is just a good year. I love this year so far. It's a good year. And then, <laughs> This is the lighthearted uh, <laughs> Academy nominations I think I've ever seen. I'll bend. I'll bend a little on my rule and give uh, Slumdog Millionaire a nomination. Yeah, I'm I'm keeping Slumdog and and Milk. I think I feel good about both of those in there. Um, definitely tossing in Wally. Fuck yeah, yeah give Wally a nomination. Uh, I'll put in In Bruges as well. God, what are we at four? I, I <laughs> that's Dark Knight. Dark Knight. I'll put in there. Um, <laughs> what else? It, it, like. Semi pro, uh, no, not doing that. Um, like it, it, this, this year was just uh, atrocious. You know you what? You just mentioned Tropic Thunder. I just thought about that. Tropic Thunder is a great movie. I, I actually was, I was leaving it for you if you wanted it. I, I, I was like, I have not seen that movie. I haven't seen that movie since that one summer that like I got a bunch of Blu-rays and I picked up Tropic Thunder. And I definitely need to like watch that movie again because I don't remember much about that movie. Uh, that movie's so funny. I love that movie. Um, I'm wondering how it's aged, specifically the Robert Downey Jr. character. <laughs> Even though I think that that is the joke with that character, Pretty but I'm not. I'm not gonna out and out defend it. Uh, Pineapple Express also came out this year. Yeah, at least a fun year for comedy. Um, I'll say that. Yeah, I don't know. Those are my nominations, though. We'll leave 2009 in 2009. Um, you want to tell the folks what our movie club is next week? So in honor of October, Spooktober, Hooptober, as the Letterbox people call it. I kind of love that. We're going to watch The Thing, uh, a John Woo! Carpenter film. John Carpenter is, is just the man when it comes to really, I mean, horror movies, but just like movies. He just makes good, yeah. really good stuff. I'm familiar with like some of his goofier movies that aren't horror movies, like uh, They Live and Big Trouble in Little China. So I'm excited for this. I, I've heard nothing but good things about the thing. I think I've seen I've seen Halloween, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, The Fog, which is a fun movie. This is like <laughs> I, I feel like I need to see this and They Live, and I feel like I'm pretty good on my my, my JC. They live. I think you would really like enjoy that movie. It uh, it is so it, the pacing's a little bad, but like 
it is so uh goofy and weird and fun i i i love it to pieces it's it's awesome <laughs> rowdy roddy piper's in this movie oh yeah he's the lead good god i love that <laughs> you love just that. get you get a 15 minute scene of of rowdy uh, rowdy rowdy piper and, and keith david wrestling with each other over a pair of glasses like they literally say the line of like you can either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can so good good line <laughs> we'll cover the thing though next week uh that is it for us today uh we'll see you all then bye, bye everybody.